everyone, it's Cindy Kaza, and you're listening to the Paranomaly Zone. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen. It does happen. A ghostly apparition in the dark of night. So, Michael, before we get into the deep, dark meats of this episode, I, I need to pose the question... Can you relate to this topic? As in, have you ever been hanging out in a mountain gorge and been pummeled by thrown rocks of, well, seemingly quite angry and disturbed mountain devils slash big feet? Has that ever happened to you even in your dreams? No, not even in my dream, but I, but I do have to tell you, <clears throat> there was a time when I was in the cabin and I was fairly young because my, my parents were there as well. Um, my sister, she was there cause she was still young enough on my brother. He was at an age where he had stay home and do whatever. And, but we were at a cabin and this was, it was in Canada. Some, it was like a often Ontario kind of thing as going to see the relatives and, there was an incident in the middle of the night. There were thousands and thousands of lemurs led by a rabid raccoon. And I tell you, that was terrifying. And you know, all you needed is one raccoon and one lemur. And the rest of the freaking lemurs are going to follow right along. Well, see, that's the thing with so, lemurs, right? Lemurs are, lemurs are a bunch of crap when it comes to that. They are very frustrating. And I was traumatized. But I have gotten over it. They are followers. They are not leaders. Um, unlike that uh, pesky the little big... raccoon you mentioned as well. Yeah. Now, how how were you able to surmise that there were thousands? Did you? Is that like uh, your well, mathematical? It, it, just a skills? roundabout number had to be. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. I can't take this any further because I'm fresh out of ideas. Okay. To yeah, throw yeah. In. No, I, I was I was trying to help you along there, Mike. Yep. Yeah, you were sinking me mm -hmm. deeply and quick, yeah. <laughs> which is which was needed to be done. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you know, I, I I get you off that sinking boat before uh, it's too late. But and sometimes I, you like to watch it sink and get a kick out of it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I had a smirk on my face. I could tell. Okay, honestly, I was like, oh, does he sincerely have a story? But then the moment you said you're in a cabin and yep. you're with your yep. sister and your parents and your I was yep. like no wait a minute he's making this bullshit up so. yeah it was that was done now nothing <laughs> nothing against lemurs obviously but i stick no. to my point of view that lemurs are followers i don't yes. i don't know what that means I really, i'm sure they're cute little things though aren't they oh they i think so they get little furry things with sharp pointy teeth <laughs> this episode could go any which way because, uh, quite frankly, I'm finally recovering from a, a sickness this week, and so my mind has been a little frazzled. 
Um, Mike's mind never frazzled. It is absolutely sharp <laughs> as a tack. It's uh, never unfrazzled. Well, <laughs> I guess if you want to say that, uh, I'll agree with you. But um, I have recovered from the past week's festivities. That's for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, so. yeah. By the okay. By the way. And introductions are needed for those who are new to the program, uh, new to the podcast. Believe it or not, we do gather, gather, we do. <laughs> um, we gather them all together on a Sunday yes, to listen to a great subject of, anyway, go ahead. Yes, okay, just just stop for a second. Yeah, um, I know. We do actually get new listeners from, from, uh, from across the world uh, every yes. now and then, and we appreciate every single one of you for... Uh, tuning in checking us out uh please stick around if this is the first time you've tuned into this podcast yeah, it gets better yeah <laughs> well we hope it gets better as yeah. the show goes along but as i say introductions are needed my name is patrick hoffenberg uh this is the paranomaly zone your weekly dose of all things you guessed it paranormal strange mm -hmm. and mysterious and i am joined as always by my co-host with the ghosts the paranormal poster boy himself now this one mike I had to think a little bit. How yes. can I introduce him in lieu of uh, the special occasion last week? And I came up with this. You'll appreciate it. I'm not sure if the younger folks will get this one. But okay. <laughs> I'm joined, as always, by my co-host with the ghosts, the paranormal poster boy himself, the man who no longer shall give Fred Garvin, male prostitute, a run for his money, the man who is off those streets he has taken, he is unavailable, ladies and gentlemen. He is no longer single. He is Mrs. Mary Carbono. That is correct. I have packed away my polyester outfit, <laughs> my polyester blue leisure suit, whatever, you know, whatever Frank Garvin could wear. I could wear better, but Fred. I just quit. I quit. Fred. You know, remember when I first brought it up again after years, it, it was, I said, Frank. I know it's I, just Frank in my head, but it isn't. <laughs> it is. It is not Frank. Do you? I, no, we shall not be frank with you. Do you also call him Frodrick <laughs> Frankenstein? Yeah. Oh God, I'm all over the place. I apologize. I'll edit that intro a little bit. But yeah, Mike, you are <laughs> Mister Married, Mister Married Man Patrolled. Yes, I'm not patrolled. Are you trolled? I have been betrolled. <laughs> That's what no. Should I delete this whole intro? Or just leave. No, no, no. That's okay. okay. All right, but it is good to see you, you freshly married man. You and I'm assuming your freshly minted new wife is somewhere <laughs> in the house. Uh, She's behind me, about eight feet, comfortably okay. sitting on the couch. There you go. There you go. Listening and, to this one-sided conversation. <laughs> exactly. It has to be so annoying sometimes. I guess. Yeah. But uh, well, Mike, how has marriage life been treating you? Do you feel different? It's been uh, it's been just over a week. I was there. I was happy to. Happy to be there, but I also want to uh, ask one thing briefly. Mm -hmm. Was I there? Because according to your social media posts, you guys are getting married in October. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was that was my one of my usual screw ups. I well, no, 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 no. And I I politely sent you a private message. Yes, saying, you did, and that did, was very polite. So I took it that way. Was I was I not there? Did I time travel? Because yeah. according to your post. You have yet to be married, and so that threw me asunder. I was just in a twirl of, I don't know what you want to call it. I tried to edit thought. it, but it wouldn't let me. Uh, well, who cares? Everyone Not let knows. me edit. 
Everyone knows but, what you guys meant. But it was a fun day. It was a cool time seeing you, uh, your family. Uh, well, parts of your family, uh, parts of Mary's family. And how how do you feel? Do you feel any different? Uh, it's, well, fantastic. I'm happy. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mike, what the hell are we going to do? Are we? Are you literally just leaving it at that? You're, you're I, am ex- I am ecstatic. It's everything. Yeah, everything that was before you don't have to talk about it i was continues on in a just it's wonderful way like i said you don't have to expound any further that that is my expansion expansion that's a new word so okay (laughs) i have expounded on that topic a little bit god okay (laughs) well talk about expounding on weird topics this is the return of our bigfoot encounters series and we got a good one again for you guys, uh, we're, we're um, it's a bit of a retread. We covered this years ago as the Alternate Route Podcast, but more than worth another dive into this because it's it's crazy. A, it's crazy. It's a fascinating <laughs> story. It's a legendary in the field, the realm of big feats, uh, sasquatches, and all that good stuff. We're talking about the legendary Ape Canyon incidents. We're gonna dive into that and have a have just a whale of a time. This. You know, looking into this a little deeper, Mike, there's a lot of wild kind of metaphysical psychic stuff that's going on with this story when it comes to the main gentleman who was involved back in 1924. It's kind of, it's weird, wild stuff. I'm looking forward to this. This is like a a Bigfoot stew in one big pot. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Do you want to eat stew or something? Because that's the second time that you mentioned stew. Once before (laughs) we started recording... And now, yeah. now it must be uh, just the way my brain feels. I think, ladies, but I do like to I do like to call this the ape man fight of Mount Saint Helens. You said ape man, okay? I, I, ape some, man fight. For some yeah. reason, I thought I heard eighth. And I was the eighth man fight. Yeah, Mike, my ears are still cloggy, so you got to be on top of your <laughs> yeah. game here, okay? Your it's, illness has not totally left you. Ah, it's okay. <laughs> Jesus, what type of noise was that? <laughs> I apologize. It kind of scared me a little bit, and my ear is ringing. I apologize. <laughs> I am sorry. We got, it. we got it. I am sorry, and I apologize. Uh, before I forget, uh, we need to send out sincere get well wishes to uh, talk about a huge name in the scientific yes. and Sasquatch realm. We're talking about the one and only Mr. <laughs> Jeff Meldrum. Um, in case you weren't aware, chances are if you're listening to this, this podcast, um, you may be aware, but he unfortunately came across a sudden illness of sort during a Bigfoot presentation slash conference uh, aboard a cruise ship in and around um, Alaska. The boat had to be turned around. He had to be flown to uh, the nearest hospital the last i heard he is in stable condition and improving so that is good news there's very little details out there no one i don't know what the hell happened but we yeah only wish the best for the guy we absolutely had, we had such it was such an honor for us to talk to him last summer my two oh, summers ago and he, yeah he was a bucket list for us and it was just really it was it was huge the easiest interview ever too because i think yeah. i think you and i spoke a total of 15 words and he yeah. he went for the rest 
you know, the hour and 20 minutes or whatever it was, but, but what a great guy though. I mean, just awesome so great guy. and easy to talk to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like he said, you know, there's Michio Kaku's hair and now there's Jeff Meldrum's yes. beard. Yes. Um, I think they should get together and have tea. They should, man. You know, we, mm-hmm. uh, we need, you know, in our mind conjuring up like the immaculate uh, <laughs> specimen <laughs> of all things <laughs> paranormal and um, metaphysical and all that good stuff. Yeah. You take parts of each person. We got the hair of Mikio, the beard of Jeffrey, and we're moving forward. Um, mm. who, who knows what else we'll conjure? Could up make with. a calendar with that. <laughs> I'm I'm so excited. That's a great idea. That's I just idea. can't help it. But uh, sincere get well wishes <laughs> to Mister um, Yes Meldrum. We wish him nothing. Very sincerely, seriously, we do. Yeah, nothing but the best. So, Mike, how do we want to get? going on this one do we want to just give the brief rundown of the story or kind of dive straight into that that um, that awesome that awesome page that i found and I, I i sent it to you to uh, peruse at your leisure it was um essentially the book that mr fred beck the man in question here the main um uh protagonist i guess of this is that the story. one that the, is actually referred to as hank no, his no. Name, seriously, his, uh, you know the the I, names that were in that were are yes. Okay, go ahead. But <laughs> sorry, no. Fred is the guy who is uh, writing these excerpts. This is like a book that he had published many, many, many years ago. Right. Very, very uh, oh quaint. Yeah. Little he book. wasn't there. He wasn't one of the the uh, members of the. No, he was. He absolutely okay. was. Yes, he's, so, he's writing. For- I quit now. I, I'm going to go lay down. Okay, yes, please do. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take over. I'll just start reading. <laughs> Mike, so was Ronald Reagan involved in this too somehow? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Mike? I, saw, I, I thought I saw Pee Wee Herman around the tree somewhere over there. Hey, another R.I.P. Paul, Paul Rubens. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, Mr. Fred Beck, he and... Four other fellow miners were, and that is M I N E R S, not M I N O R S. Okay, I so, was gonna say that's what happens when you send a bunch of miners out without adult, without adult supervision. But then you screwed it up for me. <laughs> but, see, sometimes I don't see how your mind is working. Um, I like nobody can. It's not meant to be. Sometimes your poker face, your poker face is so good. You know, you fool me like like never before. And I, it'll always be like that. Other times, I can see that little humor wheel yeah. spinning in your in your head, and I don't think you realize it. Your face kind of changes when you got like really? a joke that's coming ab- upon you. <laughs> do I look a little excited or something? <laughs> I or? think you do. I think you do. It's like you're like a little kid ready to tell someone a new joke. <laughs> you know, the whites of my eyes kind of tinge a, a red color. <laughs> a <little bit. laughs> but yes, okay, backtracking. And yes. we hope new listeners are still hanging out with us. Right please, now. please, please. No, uh, we're going to share the um, the majority of this episode. We're going to be reading excerpts from what Mr. Fred Beck had written back in the day. Uh, yes, he and four other fellow miners, again, M-I-N-E-R-S, before Mike's sick joke he wanted to get out there. The book where Fred detailed their alleged encounters with not one, not two, but three, but maybe... As many as six or even more of what they referred to then as mountain devils, two miles. And they would, oh, sorry. No, they, they, they would only see like three at a time. Yeah, exactly. And 
And uh, when they were in the cabin at the beginning of this, I mean, they said that it sounded like there was just so many of them, you know, and there probably could very well have been. It could have been a dozen out there just grouping around. No, very true. Very true. You yeah. know, and like, you know, a skeptic would immediately say, well, they're in the bottom of a gorge. And so it's going to echo. And so like what one sure. one voice will reverberate and it may sound like more. It may not. And even you know be- how those gnomes get, you know, that's how, you know, he, he wouldn't say that. So, well, it's I'm kind of funny, saying. too, because one of the one of the um, I don't want to say. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll say it. One of the theories as to what this actually was was basically just a bunch of punk little kids attacking these sure. miners. And yeah. their voices were made to sound more booming and deeper and more like creature like because of what I had just mentioned, the location, you know, they're within this right. gorge, this canyon. So, mm-hmm. you know, which I which I can understand that having an effect, but but they're right there with it as it was happening. I mean, yeah, they're you know they'll be able to tell the difference between what's echoing off the canyon and what's actually going on right there where they're at. Yeah. So. And again, there's nothing more maddening I can imagine. Well, we know there's nothing more maddening for someone to speak of personal experiences, and which they know happened, which they know they went through, and others just look at them and say, "You're lying." I don't believe you. You didn't yeah. hear that. What you heard was this. No, right. you, you didn't see that. What you actually saw was this. And you're like, F you, buddy. I saw it. I was there. I know. Nothing more frustrated. I'm sure Mr. Fred Beck and all of his companions went through that for the rest of their lives. Oh, absolutely. And this did happen very many years ago. Going you on know, 100 it, years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, July 1924, the specific... Specific location two miles east of Mount St. Helens within the Cascade Range of Southwest Washington. Yes, this was, um, I did do a little looking into the area. I was like, what was this known as before it was known as Ape Canyon? I don't think it was known as anything. (laughs) It became known as Ape Canyon because of this incident. Exactly. And like I said, we'll dive into some of the really wild, I'm going to use this word again, metaphysical kind of nature of this story when it comes to some of Fred's own uh, theories and his ideas based on his experiences. One that I found really fascinating was a pair of, one aspect I found that was really fascinating was a pair of footprints that these men, again, allegedly discovered on like a fresh sandbar that was 160 feet away from let's see, from the shore, I guess, or shore of the stream, the river, whatever, you know, you, you want to call it down there. Long story short, these two footprints literally just were there. Boom. No other and ones. Nothing. And then nothing. No other ones coming to or fro or away, you know? Mm. And think, that's something that's been reported over the decades at, at, at times has happened. Yeah. I think he said it was like, it was as if it was actually dropped. You know, right. whatever caused dropped it. and then picked up again after put his mm-hmm. footprints down. Uh, stuff like that really amazes me. I I love that. It I just puts that twist on it that you can't figure out. No, exactly. Like, was did something drop it off? I mean, we've talked about the supposed again. Here's that term, that word again: alleged UFO slash Bigfoot connection. You know, I mean, was it some form of physical manifestation out of 
nothingness, you know, all of a sudden it was poof, it was there. Yeah. Mm. Uh, some believe that Bigfoot is from another dimension entirely, you know. Uh, right. Uh, we're getting and, ahead of ourselves a little bit here. We're gonna well, what's, yeah, and what's interesting about this, and it's it's kind of backtracking a little bit um, to when this started, uh, before this actually started, they had been seeing footprints for a while off and on because they'd been going up there for a number of years, I believe. I think they said six years. Right. And uh, um, they had seen footprints once in a while, and he was always kind of freaked out by them, which obviously, you know, it's like they're in this deep woods in the middle of nowhere and they see these tracks, you know, they're, but, you know, it didn't stop them from doing what they wanted to do. But then it, it's like it progressed up to the day of that attack or the night of that attack. It's like right. they, then they would uh, hear something out the cabin or they'd see one of them peeking around a tree. And then it, it just, it's like it kept building until, mm-hmm. you know, they just all went out. I think, you know, I think battle, I think Fred described at one point how, you know, those preceding years, even like the preceding nights up to the incident and in question here, you know, they had begun to hear more and more of these odd uh, vocals that they couldn't, mm-hmm. they couldn't, they couldn't put their finger on. I mean, these are experienced outdoorsmen for gosh sakes. They didn't recognize it and they would start hearing what appeared to be to them one audio anomaly reverberating from one side of the canyon and then immediately being answered on the other right. side of the canyon from something that yep. sounds different but similar. It wasn't just the echo. It wasn't going back and forth. Exactly, yeah. They would know. It was as if they were communicating. It's maybe they're going, hey, hey, Bonzo, come over here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I yeah. said Bonzo. Send Frank over a little bit more to the left so I got that area covered just a little bit. Okay, yeah, that's good. Thank you. We got these hairless these hairless things down here hanging out in our neck of the woods. Um, we better start paying attention. I don't know. You know. As far as they're concerned, over the last six years, their neighborhood's been getting ruined. You know, right. That's exactly and it's it. like, no, we've had enough. Unfortunately, you know, this this world has things like that. <laughs> so very, even in nature, possibly. Very briefly here before we dive into um, the deeper aspect of it um, and Fred's own version of it before we take our first time traveling excursion, kind of a synopsis of the Ape Canyon incident goes as such. It took place, I mentioned before, in July 1924. The incident involved a group of gold prospectors, and they all, whom all claimed that seven-foot-tall ape-like animals attacked them with boulders. According to the prospector's tale, they came across the animals in the wilderness, and when one of the group fired a rifle at one of the animals, he struck it three times and then saw the wounded animal top off a cliff, topple off a cliff into an inaccessible canyon. The ape men supposedly returned later to bombard their cabin with large stones and leave giant footprints. Now, the, cor- the story, of course, caused a local sensation, even prompting the U.S. Forest Service Service Rangers J.H. Huffman and William Welch to investigate. Now, of course, Huffman and Welch, Welch descended into the supposedly inaccessible canyon but found nothing. And then they went on to demonstrate how 14-inch-long footprints found near the cabin could easily be faked. Mike, they could easily be faked. Of course. And co- concluded that the miners probably placed large stones near the cabins themselves, cabin themselves to bolster their tail. 
despite the story being debunked, I don't know how that's officially debunked yeah, no. <laughs> by the Rangers, people still wanted to believe, and the prospector's story was repeated and continued to spread in later years, inspiring new theories and claims of new sightings. Now, that's the very, 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 very brief um, version of the story. There's a lot more to it. Mike, I guess without any hesitation, shall we just, um, without any further ado, I should say, shall we take our first time-traveling excursion? Yes. And, well, yeah, for the 795th time, dive into the meat of the, the episode. Meat. It's really interesting listening to Fred's descriptions of the encounters of the incident and his theories and his ideas are pretty wild and um, kind of out there, especially back when you when you think about when oh, yeah. this man was thinking of these ideas. <laughs> yeah, um, it does make you think. It's It's strange. There's a lot to it. A lot of meat. Meat to it. A lot of meat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Uh, without any further ado, there I said it again. I got a lot of editing. To do in this. A lot of editing to do in this first. And season. don't say meat anymore either. <laughs> well, my daughter was at a swim meet today. Does that count? Uh, but that's spelled different. It's spelled different. It's a different meaning, different connotation. I get it. But and that uh, has something to do with your beautiful daughter, and not this crap that we're talking about. I know we apologize. <laughs> we apologize. And I everybody. and I very loosely say the word crap. <laughs> hey, before we do time travel, uh, thankfully we kind of went off an excursion there because I remembered that I did uh, finally post something. I uploaded the uh, a clip from yeah. our excursion to Bonanzaville this past. When was that, Mike? May. Yeah, I'd say so. May or June. Uh, we had some. Intriguing experiences at Bonanzaville Fargo, which is, okay, you know what, if I had a dime for every time I said allegedly during this podcast, I'd be a rich man. So here goes another one. Bonanzaville, one of Fargo's most, I should say, allegedly most haunted locales, and we got to spend the day there, basically, essentially by ourselves. Uh, we recorded a bunch of video, lots of audio. We did actually come up with some weird uh, stuff there, Mike, as far as capturing. Some we, stuff. Did. And I did. we did. I did post a four-minute clip of our spirit box session at the, I guess that was the oldest building in Fargo. Right, the, the original, first, uh, the first original house building. cabin built area. Absolutely. Um, it's pretty interesting. Go check it out. It's on YouTube. Uh, subscribe. Help us out, spread the word, give us a like, give some positive replies. All right, Mike, let's do this. We're time traveling now, baby. You ready? Bing, bing, boom. Mega bonga bonga. We'll see you in a second, everybody. And we have returned from yet another successful time traveling excursion. Mike, actually, that time traveling excursion gave me a bloody nose. So I apologize in the length of time it took for me to send the uh, the additional invite. But uh, You shouldn't have gone so High up in the atmosphere. I on went that one. too fast. Exactly. Too fast. Too high. I don't know what was happening. Something. Usually, if I uh, get a bloody nose, it's because I bumped into the brick wall or something. Well, why are you bumping in the brick walls? I mean, of all your medical ailments, you're just gonna add more troubles yeah. to your body. Because I'm in. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, first off, no, you're not. Um, cannot I cannot add anything else onto my body. It won't won't handle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you're trying. You're trying to add the wall onto it. So, uh, well, but the mayo, the mayo is next. So, awesome, awesome. They're gonna get to the bottom of this. I tell you. 
And that's enough of that. Enough of that. I don't have the soundboard up, so I can't I can't play that. No. 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 Or the no. what you just said. So I don't know. <laughs> that was a terrible Christopher Walken, but but I still knew that's who you were trying to yeah. uh well, of course. To impersonate. So that's that was impressive. So Third pile. <laughs> that one was even worse. Okay. I know. That was kind of like a Carmine Ragusa or something like that from Happy Days. Wow. Or no, Laverne and Shirley. Okay. I was going to say, I don't recognize that name. I didn't recognize that name from uh, Happy Days at all. So no. thank you for correcting Laverne myself. and Shirley, yeah. I, cor- I corrected myself. So should we continue talking about I'm uh, ready. Laverne and Shirley or should we uh, talk about... <laughs> This classic Bigfoot encounter. I say we talk about the Bigfoot encounter. Do you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. If anybody wants to talk about any of the other stuff, talk amongst yourself. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so this is from BigfootEncounters.com, what I am going to be referring to as our source here, uh, just so everyone gets all the proper credits. BigfootEncounters.com com slash classics slash Beck. Go check it out. This is actually this was as uh, this is how it is written here. Told by Fred Beck. Written September twenty seventh, nineteen sixty seven, by his son Ronald A. Beck, nineteen sixty seven. We're not going to read all of this because it's it's quite a bit. So the book actually was written and it came out in 67, which means, I mean, they sat on this for a long time, kind of, yeah, yeah, this kinda, is, you know, building and building and, which know, makes me think that they weren't out for money, you know, because otherwise they would have tried to capitalize on that right away and it doesn't seem like they did. Well, there's, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because there's lots, <laughs> lots of little tidbits in this writing here that I want to pause. When, when we get to that point, I want to pause and talk about it because to me, right. it just doesn't come across as, it doesn't immediately come across as people who are out there simply, you know, hoaxing others, you know, for whatever gain they may or may not get. Because there's just little details that just don't make sense to me. Right. Um, so we'll go through this as briefly as we can, as quickly as we can. Uh, the introduction here says, It is my intention in this book not only to tell you about the historic encounter I had with these mysterious creatures, but also to reveal to the public what I believe they actually are. This is not a large book. No, it isn't. Thank you. It is not. Otherwise, our listeners would be tuning out right now. <laughs> but may the largeness be conveyed by the picture I hope to paint of truth. Big, large. Large. L- largeness. Bulbous largeness. Much? <laughs> <laughs> bulbous largeness. <laughs> Those are two words that I do not want to hear together, oh, okay, especially coming from your mouth. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Carry on. Um, much has been written about that day in 1924, and I feel it's right that I express my views at last. Now, this is going back. We're circling way back when you kept thinking you know, that this guy's name was Hank. Um, this is where he explains it. He says, To avoid embarrassment to the relatives of the other four men involved in the 1924 incident, I have not directly mentioned their names. The name Hank is a pseudonym of one of the main characters in the incident. So there you go. So And Hank Hank was uh known as a great hunter and <clears throat> a good woodsman. Now what does that mean? Where are you seeing that at? By the it way? was it was there in the oh, okay. in, in the book. 
Okay. That, that, I, I, you know, I read this whole thing earlier today, and you've already pointed and out. And I didn't. <laughs> and I'm pulling crap I know. Out. And you've already pointed out a couple of things that I missed, obviously. So it's like, wow. Again, I'm sick, everybody. I apologize. Well, I'm, I'm getting over the, the, the sickness. So uh, we'll go ahead here. It says, Chapter 1, The Attack. Uh, Fred goes on to state, First of all, I wish to give an account of the attack and tell of the imp- imp- famous incident of July 1924 when the hairy apes attacked Infamous. our cabin. <laughs> we have, Jesus! Good. Okay. See, Mike, I'm reading, so I can't see what you're doing. <laughs> so that... Well... <laughs> that took me by surprise, to say the least. Well, when they started, you would start talking about attacking... <laughs> I was like, what the hell? There's a bird in my room? What, what's going on here? <laughs> that's that, my monkey. I was going to say, that's your crazy, wacky, weird, freaky-ass monkey. <laughs> and I'm I'm sorry that I uh, cut you off and broke in there, but you go ahead. Okay. Put the monkey away. That's Okay. Everybody, sorry. that's something. Sorry, I have to, everybody. That is something I have to tell Mike way too often is to put his monkey away. Don't touch your monkey. Now, getting back to the story at yes. hand, if you are mm. still listening to us. Got it. We had been prospecting, not Mike and I, Fred and his minor pals. Uh, we had been prospecting for six years in the Mount St. Helens and Lewis River area in southwest Washington. We had, from time to time, come across large tracks by creek beds and springs. In 1924, I and four other miners were working our gold claim, the Vander White. It was two miles east of Mount St. Helens, near a deep canyon now named Ape canyon and we all know why it was called ape canyon oh here you go hank a great hunter and good woodsman mike you skipped ahead just to throw me off didn't you (laughs) anything else you want to skip ahead and no no i'm i'm intently listening okay do you want to say peace out right now (laughs) no 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 all right now hank came across some tracks (laughs) that's not what he wrote but the tracks were large and we knew that no known animal could have made them the largest, according to Hank and the crew here, reached 19 inches. Now, those uh, those um, rangers claim that the largest they found around the cabin was only 14 inches. So they may have, I don't know, purposefully ignored that 19-inch one. Maybe it was a little further out of their reach. They probably did their, air quote, research within like a 10-foot uh, <laughs> uh, span of the cabin. And then they said, okay, that's it. We're done. Nothing to see here. Absolutely. And, you know, as a comparison, uh, these 19-inch tracks, I, what do you, do you know what the size of, like, say, Shaquille O'Neal's feet are? I mean, that's Ooh. monstrous. I mean, Shaquille has huge feet. And I'm sure, you know, they would put out a hell of a track. So I'm saying, just so we're perfect, or, you know, perfectly clear, we're not claiming that Shaquille O'Neal was responsible for these footprints, nor no. any other NBA player, because, quite frankly, <laughs> none were around at that time. Exactly. So. But, but can you imagine, like, having a real human footprint, say, from Shaquille O'Neal, you know, next to an actual Bigfoot print? No, it'd be interesting. Just for, for comparison sure. size. I, a real human foot, you know, albeit gigantically monstrous. Yeah. You know. Well, like, wasn't Robert Wadlow's foot, like, oh, God, what was it, like, almost 
a foot and a half long or something like I can't remember. Well, or was I, it 36? I, was, I can't remember what the hell. I, think I was, was a, thinking it was like more than 20 inches. Anyway. It was a size 36. That's popping into my brain God. for some reason. Whatever that equates to, let us know, everybody, what a size 36 shoe equates to in, in length. It, Tell you what, uh, with all the weight loss that I've had, I could have used one of his shoes to sleep in. <laughs> yes, you could have. Oh, <laughs> Mike's all cut it up in his shoe. Oh, that's adorable. Okay. Anyway. It was in the middle of July, and we had received a good say on our claim. That's A-S-S-A-Y, which is basically- what, Assay. An assay, sorry. Um, which is basically their, 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 their uh, goods that they were prospecting were confirmed to be of high quality. That's basically- Right. What and everyone was very excited about their assay. I remember I had a tooth that was aching. This is Fred, of course. And I suggested to Hank- that he should take me to town to see a dentist, but he was so enthused of the prospects of the gold mine, he barely took time to answer me. He replied, God or the devil could not get him away from there. So, I mean, everyone was very, very excited, obviously. You know, no toothache is going to make them want to leave. I mean, they're sitting there, and toothaches are awful. We all know that toothaches yeah. are awful. Very debilitating. Yeah, they absolutely can be. Yeah. When they got back to the cavern on the north side of the canyon, his toothache still nagging, a very little appetite for the evening meal of beans and hot cakes. Hank, though apprehensive, was still determined. We had been hearing noises in the evening for about a week. We heard a shrill, peculiar whistling each evening. Now, again, these are very experienced uh, prospectors, very experienced outdoorsmen. Um, they would recognize the woodsmen. Woodsmen, yes, yeah. they would recognize the majority, if not all, of the wildlife noises that they would hear on a daily basis. Now, these were different. These were peculiar. These were odd. They did not recognize them. Are you laughing at how I said peculiar? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I am not. Um, I know better. Well, no, no, that's fine if I... Well, you get sensitive for the rest of, rest of the show if I do stuff like that. No, it's fine because If I, I correct you, no, it's not fine. If I correct you, we're screwed. So carry on. Even, <laughs> even I didn't like how I uh, pronounced that the first time. Well, I could have sworn I heard hey, you go like... That's, <laughs> I was clearing my sinuses a little bit. Oh, okay. <clears throat> okay, okay, fine, fine. Anyway... <laughs> We heard a Carry shrill, on. peculiar, happy whistling each evening. We would hear it coming from one ridge and then hear an answering whistling from the other opposing ridge. We also heard a sound which I could best describe as a booming, thumping sound, just like something was hitting itself on the chest. Very, very ape-like, right? Hmm. Hank, obviously a pseudonym, Hank, asked me to accompany him to the spring about 100 yards from our cabin to get some water and suggested we take our rifles to be on the safe side. Now, the reason I'm reading all this, because I think it's important to get the detailed account from the guy who was there. Right. Not just the brief synopsis that we shared from Wikipedia, where they leave out everything and they just say, basically, it was debunked. You know, it's like, come on. It was debunked according to those rangers who hardly did any yeah. searching around the area, and that's it. Yeah, and, and they became rangers by getting a, a certificate in a box of cereal. So what do they know? <laughs> you know, anyway. I, I found it in a Cracker Jack box. Hey, I got a job now. <laughs> I found it in me Lucky Charms. I did. I didn't know it was there until I found it. 
but then behold, there it was. Anyway, go ahead. So they decided to take the rifles just to be on the safe side. We walked to the spring, and then Hank yelled and raised his rifle, and at that instant, I saw it. It was a hairy creature. It was Mike Carbno. No, and he was about a hundred yards away on the other side of a little canyon, standing by a pine tree. It quickly dodged behind the tree and poked its head out from the side of the tree. At the same time, Hank shot. I could see the bark fly out from the tree from each of his three shots. Someone may say that that was quite a distance to see the bark fly, but I saw it. Now, that is one thing I wanted to pause and talk about because that's a tiny little tidbit, a tiny little detail that, to me, for whatever reason, call me crazy, call me Patrick, that adds a little validity to it. You know, Don't try and say validity, Mike, because you struggle. Um, it adds a little bit of... Uh, well, I'm going to say it for you. Validity to the potential um, truth to this story. Being able to see that bark fly from that distance, right? Uh, Mike, have you disappeared, by the way? I think you're not. But you're muted. You can't. That's why I haven't heard you. Your mic isn't working. Oh, my goodness gracious. Hello. There you are. Hello. <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> I got frightened. I thought you froze. I was like, where did Mike go? Sorry. Yeah, that was my fault. So, um, what do you say about that, though? The, the little tiny detail about being able to see the bark fly. If someone was hoaxing you and trying to fake you out, would they take the time to throw in that little pointless detail like that? Maybe. Well, I don't know. But to me, I don't think so. Maybe to, you know, give that little bit of a... Uh, don't try and say it. Validity. I told you. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, but, you'd, you know, who would take the time to think of something like that? You know, and yeah, as part as, know, as it, a part of the hoax. Exactly. It's it's just such a minute little thing, mm -hmm. but it's important enough that he added it. I mean, it's no, I like it. I, I yeah, I, I do too. I like. I agree with you. Tiny little, seemingly like innocuous additions to a story. I think a lot of that stuff gets overlooked, and it, it shouldn't. I mean, it adds a little bit, to, a little bit of weight to it, maybe. The creature I judged to have been about seven feet tall with blackish-brown hair. It disappeared from our view for a short time, but then when we saw it running fast and upright about 200 yards down the little canyon, I shot three times before it disappeared from view. We took the water back to the cabin and explained the affair to the rest of the party. And we all agreed, including Hank, that's that dang crazy Hank, to go home and next morning as it would be dark before we could get to the car. I read that one wrong. To go home the next morning, sorry, as it would be dark before we could get to the car. We agreed it would be unsound to be caught by darkness on the way out. By the way, they drove a Ford out there. Did you know that, Mike? They, drove they a, did. They drove a Ford. I left that out earlier. So. Okay. Nightfall found us in our pine log cabin. Not a Chevy. Not a, a Chevy. Not a Chevy, but a Ford. Okay. Cabin. Night, <laughs> nightfall found us in our pine log cabin. We had built the cabin ourselves and had made it very sturdy. It stood for years afterward and was visited by many a sightseer until a few years ago, few years ago when it was burned to the ground. In the cabin, we had a long bunk bed in which two could sleep feet to feet, the rest of us sleeping on pine boughs on the floor. At one end of the cabin, we had a fireplace fashioned out of rocks. I like that he's given a good description of the cabin here. Yeah, very detailed. 
There were no windows in the cabin, so darkness found all of us in the cabin more calm now, and my tooth was better. <laughs> he, he adds in there, somehow the excitement seemed to work a temporary cure on it. That's another little tidbit, I think. Right. Why yeah, would he exactly. bother saying that his toothache had gone away at that point? Yeah. And, and all these little things, like, after so many years, you know, are still so, must be so strong in this guy's mind, you know, to Great recall point. all this stuff. I mean, it, like Great me, point. With, with me telling the, the story of the first ghost that I had really seen, the girl, I mean, that detail, um, it, it reminds me of that. And I, and I can see it in my mind because I'm seeing those little details. And as these details come out i can see them and, and they all fit they really do yeah no that that's a great point thank you for bringing that up we were sitting there puffing on pipes and talking about the trip home the next day each of us settled down in his crude but welcome bed and soon fell asleep about midnight however we were all awakened hank again what's up with the hank who was sleeping on the floor, was yelling and kicking. Is he the only one who could speak, by the way? I'm just wondering. The only I think one? they're all, all of their names is Hank. I think so, too. I think That's, he's... They're he, just all Hank. He's using it as a as a device. He's using it as a storytelling device to make it easier to, to convey what's going on. Hank, who was sleeping on the floor, was yelling and kicking, but the noise that had awakened us was a tremendous thud against the cabin wall. Some of the chinking had been knocked loose from between the logs, and then fell across Hank's chest. Now, Mike, just for some who may not be aware, including me, chinking knocked loose from between the logs. What is that exactly? Well, you know, if, say you got a log cabin, and each log you have to have some kind of a, a stuff, like a mortar type, you know, uh, mud or whatever. Like a sealant, you know, like a sealant type thing? Like, well, sure. You know, you, you know, if you look at a log cabin, you'll see that between each log. Gotcha. It's like, it's like filling the cracks and, and uh, you know, sealing it all up. That is chinking, I believe. Okay. Okay. I, I, if I am wrong, listeners, let me know. <laughs> right. <laughs> they will. Uh, the chink- <laughs> Yes, they will. Chinking had been and knocked I, loose yes. from the, between the logs and had fallen across Hank's chest. I guess all of their chests. Then, if we are stick to the the idea he's that got, Hank he's has got everybody. a chinked, he's got a chinked chest. He does. Damn, Hank! He had his rifle in his hand and was waving it back and forth as he kicked and yelled. Hank always slept with his gun nearby. Well, of course he did. It was a Remington automatic, and Fred's gun was a thirty thirty Winchester. I helped to get the chinking off of him, and he jumped to his feet. Then we heard a great commotion outside. It sounded like a great number of feet trampling and rattling over a pile of our unused shakes. Um, to me, that doesn't sound like just one or two <laughs> beings surrounding and running around their cabin. Again, this is his take. This is his description. Maybe there was. Maybe there was nothing, but sounds like there's quite a few, Mike, if it was, according to the pseudo-skeptics, just a bunch of young little punks. Well, then it was a, a gaggle of young little punks running around the cabin, right? Um, because we all know that young little punks have nothing to do, nothing better to do during the summer than to go harass right. minors, right? But then, Yeah, exactly. But then you got to know that, well, school will be starting, and you know, a little quiet down. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh, man. <clears throat> So we all grabbed our guns. Hank squinted through the space left. <laughs> I almost said squirted. Oh, God. 
Okay, Hank <coughs> squinted through the space left by the chinking. I'm uh, glad he didn't squirt <laughs> between the <laughs> chinking. <laughs> Patrick, correct yourself and carry on. <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> oh, I apologize for that one, everybody. Whoa. I could have just let that one go without even saying that, but hey, it's all about right. honesty here in the paranormal. <clears throat> yeah, it is. <clears throat> By actual count, we saw only three of the creatures together at one time, but it sounded like there were many more. This was the start of the infamous attack, of which so much has been written in the Washington and Oregon papers through the years. Do you say Oregon, Mike? Or um, how do you pronounce that one, personally? Uh, Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, that's just how I say Oregon. 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 How else could you? Oregon. Oregon. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Oregon. 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 That's what we're looking for. Oregon. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> wow. We're smart. I, I do have one uh, thought, though, with this. Uh, please, please. Okay. So, all of the really, really in, uh, minute details that, that they come up with. When I was perusing through this story and you know re uh, familiarizing myself with it, I never once did I see or read that they had noticed the smell or had you know that pungent you know which would be so strong right but why not that mentioned that's you very know, interesting they 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 take it down to the point of mentioning bark flying from a bullet mm -hmm. but we all know from what we have heard from everybody with an experience, the smell. So I don't know. Just a thought I had. No, that's a great thought. Maybe, yeah. maybe Mount St. Helens, big feet are, uh, are, are bathers. Maybe they're, mm. they're maybe they're self-conscious. <laughs> well, I bet they got those hot springs in there, you know, there uh, you go. I'm that sure, helps. You know. It helps, helps keep them clean. Soak it up a bit. Big, have a beer. Bigfoot B.O. Lovely. Hmm. Now, by actual count, we all, I said this already, we saw only three of the creatures together at one time, but it sounded like there are many more. This was the start of the infamous attack. Most accounts tell of giant boulders being hurled against the cabin and say, and some say even fell through the roof. But this was not quite the case. Again, I like how he's kind of he's pushing back a little bit, saying that's not mm -hmm. the case. This is not right. what happened. There were very few large rocks around that area. It is true that many smaller ones were hurled at the cabin, but they did not break through the roof, but hit with a bang and rolled off. Some did fall through the chimney of the fireplace. Some accounts state I was hit in the head by a rock and knocked unconscious. This is also not true. Very interesting. I'm glad, yes, very. I'm glad he points that out, Mike. Excuse me. But, but when you think about it, he's, he's doing a lot of this little tiny detail pointing out. And some of them he has to seem to uh, explain, mm -hmm. you know, like, like, you know, um, you know, a person would think that I wouldn't see that from that distance, yeah. you know, but, uh -huh. but I did, but you know, is that like, I don't know, does that make it more iffy or does that add more validity for okay. you? I, I see what you're saying. I, I, yeah, <clears throat> we have to look at it both ways, of course. Um, people are probably screaming, you know, inside of themselves, yelling at me saying, you know, of course, Patrick, he's a liar. He's going to put in these little details to add validity to his story. You know, um, right. that's what, you know, professional hoaxers 
probably do, especially if they have time to think right. about it over years and years and years and years before they finally put it down on paper. I mean, I get, mm. it. I get it. But the fact is that these tiny little details are almost irrelevant to the overall story arc. You know, it has exactly. no, right. it doesn't really relate to anything. It doesn't affect anything else. So that's what's interesting to me. Right. Yeah, me too. His toothache has nothing to do with any of this. You, right. know, you know what we, I mean? We need, we need Mr. Z's take on this. No, I'm sure you know what his take would be. <laughs> that'd, be his, that'd be his take. <laughs> I would. I love that. I hope he gets a kick out of that. <laughs> anyway, so the only time we shot our guns that night was when the creatures were attacking our cabin, and through the chinking in the wall. <laughs> they shot. Anyway, go ahead. I, I didn't want to go back that far. But it's go okay. Ahead. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, when they would quiet down for a few minutes, we would quit shooting. I told the rest of the party that maybe, maybe if they saw we were only shooting when they attacked, they might realize we were only defending ourselves. I told the rest. Okay, I already said that already. We could have had clear shots at them through the opening left by the chinking had we chosen to shoot. We did shoot, however, when they climbed up, climbed up on our roof. We shot round after round through the roof. We had to brace the hewed logged door with a long pole taken from the bunk bed. The creatures were pushing against it, and the whole door vibrated from the impact. They aren't happy. We responded by firing many more rounds through the door. They pushed against the walls of the cabin as of trying to push the cabin over. They could have done that if they wanted to. You know, they could yeah. have been in that cabin, and they would. There's no way that anybody was going to stop them. If you got one Bigfoot, not a problem. If you got three or more, possibly. Oh, that's if another, they want to be in the cabin. They are going to be in the cabin. That's another fantastic you know, point, man. You know, screw that. Getting up on the roof, I'm going through that wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, anyway, they'll form not a human battering ram, but a Bigfoot battering ram, and. Yeah. Uh, Good luck Get that big 32-inch foot up against that door and go. I'm just picturing them like, okay, come here, Bonzo, and they you know, they all they hold him and he lays down in their arms, you know, and a one, a two, and a three, bonk, you know, it's yeah, whatever. Uh, and you <laughs> you named one of them Bonzo, and I just got this I don't know why huge bright picture in my mind of Ronald Reagan smiling and getting a chuckle out of that. <laughs> so I mean, that instantly popped into my head, and I loved it. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a great vision. That's a great vision. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the creatures, I'm uh, backtracking again here. We responded by firing more, many more rounds through the door. They pushed against the walls of the cabin as if they were trying to push the entire cabin over. But this was pretty much an impossibility. As previously stated, the cabin was a sturdy made building. Hank yeah. and I did most of the shooting. The rest of the party crowded to the far end of the cabin. Well, there goes our theory that Hank represents all of them because Hank and I did right. most of the shooting. The rest of the party crowded to the far end of the cabin, guns in their hands. One had a pistol, which still is in my family's possession. Another kind of pointless detail to throw in there. Mm -hmm. The others clutched their rifles. They steamed stunned. They seemed stunned and incredulous. The attack continued the remainder of the night with only short intervals between. A most profound and frightening experience occurred when one of the creatures being close to the cabin 
reached an arm through the chinking space and seized one of our <laughs> axes by the handle. Would you stop laughing? <laughs> <laughs> I picture it in my head. <clears throat> and then I'm just waiting for the, 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 the vision of some lady's hand slapping at it. <laughs> Get out of here. Get Get! That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, one of the guys' grandmother came along for the ride. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah anyway, <laughs> um, so he uh, says uh, one of the. Okay, I have to say it again, Mike. Now don't laugh. One. Okay, Mary's arm, still laughing. I'll, <laughs> I'll quit. One reached an arm through the chinking space and seized one of her axes by the handle. A much written about incident and a true one. Before the thing could pull the axe out, I swiftly turned the head of the axe upright so that it caught on the logs. And at the same time, Hank shot, barely missing my hand. The creature let go, and I pulled the handle back and put the axe back in its safe place. So so Bigfoot here, Bonzo or whatever his name is, must not have had a very good grip on that axe. <laughs> Apparently if, if, not. Hank, if Hank can turn it, I'm going to turn this in your hand, well, Bonzo, well, and... Well, Bonzo it, can't quite I'm not, see. I'm not getting any of this. As Bonzo <clears throat> can't quite see what he's reaching for. You know, his arms at a right. bent, at a weird angle. You know, you know how it goes. You can't get a good grip when you. you so it's more of a glancing grab. Kind of a glancing, you know, you, you know, a brush almost. You know. Okay, I don't know. There's a lot of little things here that just and too much describing, too much explaining these details. This, I think this guy is just a hell of a creative writer. Okay, you've done I, a complete 180 here since uh, the beginning. I of know. The it's just I. It's just the way I'm getting the feeling of this. That's you know, okay. And hey, it, it's not a bad thing to have both uh, I sides got of this. I mean, of course it isn't. I think you've so, been uh, possessed by the I spirit have, of... I have, you've been possessed by the spirit of Mr. Z, the aforementioned just, Mr. Yeah. Z. Uh, I was just going to say, as, as you started that, I was just going to say, I have, I'm channeling... Mr. Z. There you go. That's a good way to describe so, it. Um, but I think I think I'm being a little more arrogant about it than he he would be. But you know, God dang it, Mike, this flew by. We have to take another time I traveling know. excursion here because I do want to talk into or dive into some of Fred's theories with, uh, very very briefly about what his his idea of what these creatures may actually be. Mike, uh, don't go That's, anywhere. Yes. I am going to. Uh, well, we're both going to time travel. Hopefully, my nose won't bleed this time, and. Uh, to you, our faithful, loyal listeners, we love all of you. It will be seamless. And we are back from yet another successful time-traveling excursion. Mike, I'm beginning to wonder what is more expensive, Zoom or time-traveling during an episode? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. We'll, we'll ponder. I don't know. Yeah. We'll yeah, ponder. That, that needs some pondering. <laughs> A little bit of pondering. Uh, continuing with the alleged story here of the ape canyon attack the attack ended just before daylight just as soon as we were sure it was light enough to see we came cautiously out of the cabin it was not long before i saw one of the ape-like creatures standing about 80 yards away near the edge of what is now known as ape canyon i shot it three times and it toppled over the cliff down into the gorge some 400 feet below. That's quite the uh, quite the plunge. Dead. Dead. Then Hank said, there's that Hank. 
that we should Great get hunter, out. Great hunter, good woodsman. Absolutely. Um, we should get out of there as soon as possible and not bother to pack our supplies or equipment. After all, he said, it's better to lose them than our lives. We were all only too glad to agree. And so was your dog. We brought out only that which we could get in our packages, our pack sacks. We left about $200 in supplies, powder, and drilling equipment behind. Again, another little detail now. Is that true? Did they really leave almost $200 in supplies, powder, and drilling equipment behind them? That's a lot of money back That's then. That's a lot I mean, of money in 1924. Hmm. Again, something may I inter- interject something real quick? Now, Absolutely. this is really weird. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it's just a matter that I... Yeah, there it is again. What's happening? I saw something really strange, like, down here by my furry E.T. doll. <laughs> Man, okay. It, it, it looked, it looked kind of like an Orby kind of... Did it? Yeah, it was really interesting. Oh, I wish anyway. I would have seen it. Yeah. Which, by so, the way, anyway. I will I will edit that clip that you sent me the other day about those orbs that you captured when you're right. th- throwing the popcorn to the doggies. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty interesting. Um, I'll put that together. Maybe we'll put it together as part of a bigger clip. I don't know. But uh, sure. we'll be posting that stuff on the YouTube channel. Now, getting back to the story, I, Fred, tried to persuade everyone not to relate the happenings to anyone, and they all agreed, but Hank soon let the cat out of the bag. Damn you, Hank! We made our way to Spirit Lake, and Hank went into the ranger station. He had told the ranger earlier about the tracks, and the ranger had replied, Let me know if you find out what they are. That is just what Hank did to the puzzlement of the ranger. When we were back home in Kelso, Washington, he told some of his friends and somehow the story leaked out to the papers and the great Harry Ape Hunt of 1924 was on. Now, there's quite a bit left here. That's just, you know, the story in briefly told in Chapter 1 of this very short book, so we will not uh, torture you anymore with uh, my reading. Of your reading, <laughs> exactly. Your reading is is it's much better than you you oh, think it is. Oh, oh, thank you. I much better than I think it is. Well, what if I think I, it's the worst ever? Does well, it take you can that think much? what you want. I mean, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Well, if I thought it was the worst ever, all it takes is to have one person be like the second worst ever, and that's supposed to make me feel like better. You're not the second worst ever. That's kind of how you. Uh, that's how I took that. Okay. Mm. But I did not say that. But you that's how I interpreted it. Because you're like, it was, okay. it's not as bad as you think. And I said, well, well it's what it's all up to interpretation. Well, let me it? clarify. Let me okay. clarify. And I know Go this ahead. is annoying the listeners, but this is important. <laughs> you said you said your, I said your reading isn't as bad as you think. Then I said, Well, what if I think it's the worst ever? All it takes is to have one person who ever existed to read better than me. That doesn't make my reading any better than what I think it is. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Uh, okay. So I'm saying <laughs> your compliment, your air okay. quote compliment, didn't do its duty. I got screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> hell, I don't even know what the hell we were talking about. I so don't either. Just carry on. <laughs> so I'm going to... You have been corrected. <laughs> no, you have not. Um, I'm going to scroll down to the bottom of this article... We're going to get to the section here, chapter four, where he has, uh, chapter four is titled Questions and Answers. Uh, it contains, guess what? 
questions and answers. Um, these are questions I'm assuming that were submitted to Fred Beck about the mm. Bigfoot phenomenon. This is where it gets interesting, where it, we hear some of his ideas of what I think he this had phenomenon a is. You think he I had think a he had a seminar in his backyard. That's yeah. where the questions and That's where they came from. Hmm. Okay. The Hank seminar. Hank. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I'm Hank. I got a seminar. There is a seminar of Hank this weekend. Would you like to attend with me? One of these questions goes as such. What purpose could abominable snowmen have for existing? How can they fit in the plan of things? And this was Fred's answer. Sometimes that question is asked about all life and more particularly about life other than human. When we speak of purpose, we usually think of ourselves. I think the main purpose lies in the beings themselves. They are part of life, though different than we know life to be by our five senses. I believe their main purpose is their desire to rise up higher and be something better. If this is the case, then their life can be identified with the general progression of all life. Hmm. Okay, okay, okay. I, I, some of it's okay. Some of it seems like a bunch of babble. I am convinced yeah. by my own experiences and the many accounts I have heard from others that they are very curious creatures. I think if we had not shot at them, <laughs> they would have left us alone. I think it is possible that curiosity is an instinct or a search for a higher consciousness, possibly foreshadowing their coming into human consciousness and another cycle of life. Now, that's getting kind of deep. Wow. Yeah, that's deep stuff there. Let me read like that again. It. Let me read that again, Mike. And I, I want, need to hear it again. And I want your thoughts. Okay. <clears throat> I, Fred Beck, think it is possible that the curiosity, their curiosity, is an instinct or a search for a higher consciousness, possibly foreshadowing their coming into human consciousness in another life cycle. Wow. I love that. <laughs> and so it's basically, it's, it's an evolution. It's, 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 we could say that we came from that. Mm. And, and, you know, and you, you put that into the circle of life and that just, uh, that really clicks for me. I mean, it, it okay, just all, it makes sense to me. That's really, really interesting. That's intriguing. So he describes them as very curious creatures, and he thinks that that curiosity is an instinct or a search for a higher consciousness. Hmm. So Possib it's just, we can, we can relate to them on that level. Possibly foreshadowing their coming into human consciousness in another life cycle. So earlier he said that they're always trying to progress. They're trying to move higher so uh, it seems to me that and i believe he mentions it here somewhere else in this chapter hopefully i can find it that they are of a lower level at this time when they are in this kind of bigfoot existence and they are attempting to ascend into a higher level the higher uh vibration of of, of sorts let's see here let's see if i can find that Ah, oh, that ex excerpt, because it is pretty interesting. Uh, could you explain what you mean by search for conscious consciousness? Aren't they conscious of something? Uh, all life, this is his answer, all life have some, has some order of consciousness. Some 
might call the snowman a delayed race awaiting for the highest expression of consciousness. That is the human consciousness. Okay, that, that is exactly what I was looking for. So that blatantly is saying that he thinks that they are lower than us is when it comes to the level of consciousness, right? Am I, right. Am I incorrect That's, in that? Right, I would agree with that. They seem to be curious about human beings more than anything else, and I think it's possible as time passes, they will manifest farther and farther away from the mountain ranges, which has been their natural attractive habitat, and the time may come when you hear stories from cities or people seeing strange, hairy-like creatures. Hmm. Well, you hear all sorts of stories, alleged encounters, getting closer and closer to kind of definitely rural areas, but even like urban areas, you know, you hear, right. you know, even like downtown New York, I've heard, you know, just outside of it, you hear of the supposed Bigfoot sightings, you know, so, but again, that might be just the expansion of the human population. They can't get away from us. Uh, there's oh, no, yeah. <laughs> no, we're expanding to the, to the degree that we're eliminating everything else, at least the yeah. space. We are encroaching. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it says here, and you can tell this is dated because the question goes, do you think people will see them in great numbers like they see flying saucers? <laughs> Fred's answer, I doubt very much that they will be seen by tens of thousands of people like flying saucers. This is not a book on flying saucers, but I will say that the nature of flying saucers is very high and lofty, well, literally, and their purpose is important to us. The purpose of the abominable snowmen does not fit the aims of of the life purpose in the in the degree as what the world calls UFOs. So he's saying if UFOs slash flying saucers, <laughs> flying saucers exist, they are at a higher level, consciously, probably spiritually, what have you, than big feats, right? I yeah, absolutely. Uh perusing, perusing. Hmm. He gets pretty deep. It's, yeah. it's interesting. The question here, you speak of telling the truth. Do you think that you telling people the truth about abominable snowmen will help them understand truth? Interesting questions. <laughs> Excuse me. And he goes on to say, somehow I was given this experience. And it can only be to use for good. See, I like that. I like that way of looking at it. For years, I never gave it much thought. I grew in wisdom and came to understand many spiritual things. Somehow, I received a key. What I can open with it, people need badly. I look on my experience as a little mustard seed. Explain it to people, and it should certainly be explained, and many other doors or consciousness levels will be opened. So there you go. That's mm. Kind of like put it on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> just like that man yep. you want to expand your level of consciousness go on twitter or x or whatever the hell it is x uh can you tell a little more about the eight men's physical experience uh, appearance they're about seven feet tall but many people have seen larger ones they had large ears and a head that was in proportion with their large muscular body their shoulders were tremendous but they had slim hips they but were they're talking now they said large ears large ears yes now, big Bigfoot sightings that we generally uh, um, have heard, don't they have much, much smaller ears it, they, exactly, than we do? They do. So that's, <clears throat> that's, that's kind of intriguing. That's a definite discrepancy from the common vision that we have, you and I well, for sure. Yeah. Actually, they, 
they only go by just one Bigfoot that they saw because he did have large ears. He had buck teeth and his name was Wilbur as well. But anyway. So we have Wilbur and Bonzo. Okay. Yeah, that's that's just stupid. Just <laughs> never mind I said that. Okay. Well anyway. Maybe you know what? That's probably chilly up there. Maybe they all were wearing earmuffs. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Bigfoot needs to be warm, right? Strap on some Yeah, man, strap on some muskrats on his ears and elk, they'll be fine. Yeah, elk skin made uh, <laughs> earmuffs, you know. Air Bonzo, look at this. I just got an elk skin lined muff for my hands. Anyway, go ahead. Their shoulders were tremendous, but they had slim hips. They were hairy, but not shaggy. In general, they possess a very stout physical frame, but looked more like a giant human than an ape. A lot of that is similar. You hear a lot about the broad, impressive right. shoulders and the slim hips, and very hairy, but not necessarily shaggy hair. You know, the shaggy, the length of the hair it definitely varies right. all yeah, over the world. Varies all as, over the world. As does the shade and colors and things. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Do you think you and your companions hit the ape man that you shot at? We certainly did, he answers. Our eyes were keen in those days, and we were expert shots. When Hank shot, God damn Hank, when Hank shot the one peeking around a tree, he exclaimed, don't worry about that devil, Fred. I got him right in the head. Well, that rhymed. Later on, I examined the tree, and there were three nicks where the bark had been grooved by his bullets. So they hmm. believe that they shot these, uh, well, at least one of them. So, so the bullets say that shot him in the head but they hit the tree first yeah exactly didn't deflect off or anything it just you know it shot bark out enough to where he could see it from uh -huh. what 150 yards or whatever he, it was he a, said it was a good distance so but yet when he got there there were three nicks and one of them or all three of them hit this thing in the head you know just another observation that no, it's a, a very astute observation. He says that the one I shot by Ape Canyon, I had plainly in my sights. He just tumbled over into the deep gorge, about 400 feet below. Some people think that the melting snow water, which flows heavily summer afternoons, washed him away. Some others think the creatures came and packed their own away and retired with them back to hidden lava caves. Now, that is something that we hear quite a bit as well that I kind of side with is the idea of burying their own. I think that's right. a, a, a high possibility. So they probably, you know, sadly ventured their way down to the, uh, when all the ruckus and commotion was over and grabbed their companion and gave them a proper burial. Right. Right. I, I think they have the intelligence and they, they have shown that, that they could very possibly have a, some form of spiritual side where they would mm. maybe have some kind of a ceremonial burial, even, you know, even as primitive as it might be, you know. Right. So. Um, just a couple more here. What do you mean by other dimensions? His answer, it's hard to classify, classify a spiritual subject and apply a system to it. You know, that's, that's a great way of putting it. I like, I like that. That's pretty straightforward to the point it is hard mm -hmm. to put a to apply a system to the spiritual realm it just is right it is difference in time space and the movement of matter they are different planes of consciousness human consciousness is the highest form we know because all human life has the spark of the divine consciousness in their soul now you can see again this is data and definitely 
a lot right. more. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with this belief at all, but this definitely it's hard to shake that we are all created by a God as far as like the biblical God goes. Mm-hmm. That's how I'm kind of interpreting this. But right. this world in which we live is not the only dimension that has human life. Interesting. There are other planes of life, immaterial in comparison to our materiality. Some of these planes, such as the ones mentioned above, are high, but they're also lower dimensions. And he goes on to speak about lower vibration levels, higher vibration levels. And one part that I found interesting was that we only see them when, this is according to to Fred, we only see Bigfoot when they are at their lowest vibrational level. And when they ascend to vibrational levels beyond us, that's when we lose sight of them, literally. And they are gone. Uh, Kind of maybe similar to that idea of those footprints appearing out of nowhere as if something had been dropped right there. And then they are gone. I, I can just imagine and picture what that would look like, you know, when they're they're uh, going into this other dimension where they're, if if you're lucky enough to see that happen, it would be like the vibration rising and you could see that in the being until it's, and it just keeps going and keeps going until it's just a blur. Mm-hmm. And then that blur just fades away. I mean, that's what I'm picturing in my head. And then there they go. They're gone. They're in another dimension. I like that. And I think that's, that's just something that we all have a capability of doing if we knew how to do it, how to tap into it, just how to figure it out. I'm just, before we wrap up here, Mike, I'm doing a quick uh, phone search here. I want to see, just so we know, I want to see when Mr. Fred Beck passed away. Um, not that that's something i'm morbidly interested in but <laughs> um i'm just curious as to because I, I have yet to find an age of this man just by judging these pictures from 1968 i mean yeah he looks very elderly um but cripes he could have been in his 30s <laughs> you know, he right. just had a rough life you know um i don't know i couldn't tell you I'm not going to waste our listeners' time looking for it. Um, I encourage you to look up Mr. Fred Beck, one of the prospectors involved in the legendary, here it is again, alleged Bigfoot encounter, Mike. One of the most well-known incidents out there, real or not, uh, you decide. Mike, final words, final thoughts, as it is time to wrap up this this episode of the Paranomaly Zone. This could actually be almost a yay-nay type episode I yeah think. it could it could but we already introduced it as a bigfoot encounters so. right i oh man i final thoughts for me it's just it's all iffy i love the story and i totally believe that something like that can happen and it could very well have happened to these five miners e r you know. e r yes so but it, there's just those little things that just kind of so, I don't know. They just click in my mind. So what bugged you about it? I mean, I I just it's just too much for you. I mean, because yeah, too too much ex- explaining. That's like too many of these little details throughout the whole story. So like un- you know, unnecessarily going out of his way to throw those yeah. details in there. 
and then adding on to it by going out of his way again to defend or explain, you know, that little detail. I, that just all of that just doesn't sit with me right. Well, and you know, you can't you can't ignore just your feelings, right? You can't ignore the vibe that you get. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have to go with your gut. Um, you know, your inst- your 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 natural reaction to it. So I totally get that. I absolutely get. Yeah. It. Um, so do your dogs. They agree with you 100%. Um, so is it kind of, is it, is it safe to say that it's 50, 50 for you or would you, would you lean towards you not buying the incident as relayed to us by, by Mr. Beck? I think it for me more like maybe 60, 20, I suppose. Good, good math. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I don't know what the in between is because it, okay. it's just you know it could just 60, put me all over the board. Sixty as sixty as non-believer of this account, and twenty <laughs> according to your math as being yeah. a believer. Okay, no, that's fine. You know, <sighs> yeah, something to that degree. Hmm. I just get so I get frustrated as longtime listeners know. Ding, ding, ding. I just get so frustrated, <laughs> frustrated um, with the flippant nature of the the debunkers, even like the Rangers back then, just the vibe I got, talk about vibes, the vibe I got about those Rangers who looked into this. I think they didn't do their due diligence and they just wandered out there and said, this is a bunch of garbage and they didn't look any further than that. Yeah. Um, Either they just totally didn't believe it or they, or they did believe it and they know because they've seen from being out there and they're like, they're they're just going to keep it down. You know, so who knows? I would say that I'm with you, Mike. It's, I love the story. I think stuff like this, I'm basically repeating you. Um, stuff like this could and probably has often occurred. Well, maybe not often. Let me rephrase that. More times than, than we realize, probably. There you go. Hell, I, not to be morbid, how would we hear from people who haven't survived such incidents? Exactly. How many people go missing a year? Mm-hmm. And in these areas, even more people. And that happened, Mike, in related to this story, uh, like a, in nineteen in the nineteen fifties, a uh, skier, professional skier, well known. I mean, he was damn good. Jean Claude Keeley. No, um, his no. cousin. No, um, I can't remember the guy's name. His last name was Carter, though. But he went missing. I believe it was in the nineteen fifties. He was with a Frank Fritz Carter. And I'm listening to you. No, it was Fred <laughs> Garvin, male prostitute out there skiing. <laughs> Frank Garvin. <laughs> but he was he was with a, his skiing uh, party, and he just said, I have, "I'm going to go down and check out this other side of the I don't know where the, where the hell they were." He went out of their sight, never to be seen again. And yeah. they found like the remnants of his what appeared to be a mad dash down the hillside or the canyon side, I should say, which made people go. That kind of looks like he was perhaps chased down the canyon. This was such an abrupt, such an odd trek to the bottom of the gorge here, and he was never found again. Uh, mm. It's kind of interesting. It's intriguing. So It is. Mike, this has been a blast. Um, I will let you go, my friend. Thank you for making this worth it. Yeah, work. absolutely. I hope, you, I hope you have a great remainder of your Saturday, as do I it hope, will. As I hope all of our listeners do as well. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, we appreciate all you so much. We've been kind of inconsistent, but it's been a busy last couple of weeks. My, uh, my, man's, my man's married. He's no longer on the market, ladies, so hands off. <laughs> it was never a problem. 
<laughs> I started laughing when I said, <coughs> sorry, everybody. Okay. That being said, Mike, what do our awesome friends of the podcast need to do? Peace out. Good God. I didn't think you'd ever get there. 